Well, good morning, Bowmanville Baptist Church. And it is indeed a privilege to be here to minister to you and to share from you God's word. Thank you for the, the warm welcome and reception that you have poured on us, my family and I, since we walked through those doors. And I do hope and pray that this morning our hearts will be encouraged and blessed by the word of God. Uh, David Roher, talking about the transformation and the transitioning from camping as it once was to camping as it is now, says these words. The motor home has allowed us to put all the conveniences of home on wheels. A camper no longer needs to contend with sleeping in a sleeping bag, cooking over a fire, or hauling water from a stream. Now he can park a fully equipped home on a cement slab in the midst of a few pine trees and hook up to a water line, sewer line, electricity. One motor home, he said, he saw recently had a satellite dish on top of it. No more bothering with dirt. No more smoke from the fire. No more drain going through the stream to drag water. It is now possible, he says, to go camping and never have to go outside. That is the transformation of camping from David's perspective. So he says we buy a motorhome with the hope of seeing new places or getting into the world, getting out into the world, yet we deck it out with the same furniture that we have at home as we have in our living room and our bedroom. So he says nothing really changes in terms of our home and this motor home that we have purchased. We, they drive, we may drive to new places, set ourselves into a new surrounding, but the newness goes unnoticed. Why? Because we carry along the old setting, the same thing that we have at home and what he concludes from this is the adventure of a new life begins the adventure of a new life in Christ begins when the comfortable patterns of this old life that we cling so dearly to are left behind that's what he concludes that the comfort that we cling to when we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, those things are left behind. And Paul talks about this in a number of his epistles, Colossians being one of them, and also Ephesians. But the passage that I want to draw your attention to this morning is Acts chapter 9, a very, very familiar passage to us in the transformation that occurred in Paul's own life. And it outlines that remarkable transformation for us in Acts chapter 9. And Paul, who has had a significant impact, a significant impact in the life of the church and in the life of Christianity, and that impact will carry on throughout eternity. But the question that I want us to analyze and focus on as we get into this passage is what caused this transformation in Paul's life? What caused this transformation? 
especially when you go back to Acts chapter 8, the previous chapter, and you read it verses 1 to 3, which we will not get into, but to summarize those verses for you, this is Paul consenting or giving approval to the death of the first martyr in Scripture, and that's Stephen. This is Paul breathing out threats, murderous threats, asking for the approval of the high priest to go and ravage or savage, destroy the church of God. What caused him to change? What caused that transformation in him? Going from house to house, Paul um, Luke records for us, dragging both men and women. And this was a very disturbing image that Luke paints for us, dragging them, literally dragging them into jail, men and women alike. How did he go from breathing out these threats how did he go from being so harsh and ruthless to God's people to being completely transformed to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? The answer to all these questions, the difference in the transformation of Paul, folks, the difference in the change of the mindset of Paul, the shift from the passion of Killing God's people to saving all at all costs is the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us look just at a few verses. In verse, the first three verses, but Paul still breathing out threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, anybody who is naming this Jesus person, men and women alike, he would bound them, drag them to Jerusalem. But while he was on his way, he, and he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven shone round, uh, around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Let us look then at how the gospel transformed Paul, transformed this monster against the church to a missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How did gospel change Paul from being this monstrous human being towards God's people to becoming one of the greatest missionaries that we have ever seen in our lifetime. The first, verses 3 to 5, I would surmise that the gospel humbled Paul. He fell to his knees in verse 4, and in verse 5 he asked a very profound question, Who are you, Lord? On his mission to annihilate God's people, he was literally stopped in his tracks. Struck by the glory of Jesus Christ himself. And the light caused Paul to fall to his knees at first sight. 
And this was, of course, due to the brightness of the light. But there's also embedded in this fall into the knee a prostrate, an act of worship. Paul recognized something different about this light. Paul recognized that this light is cause for bowing of the knees. He recognized that in his effort and attempt to destroy God's people, he realized something was different and special about this light. He acknowledged the voice as Lord. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, supreme ruler? Who are you, master of all? Who are you, owner of everything? Who are you, authoritative one? That's what Lord means. So even in that deranged, degenerate state, Paul still acknowledged Jesus Christ as sovereign Lord of all, even though he was oblivious to who he may have been at the time. He acknowledged him as Lord. And what I want to do or highlight to you here is a sharp contrast between the authority of Jesus Christ Versus the authority of the high priest. He went to the high priest to, for approval to do his dirty work, so to speak. He was never, he never acknowledged a high priest as Lord, master, ruler of all. But this light, he did so. Have you ever wondered why Paul wrote Philippians 2 verse 10? At the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess future promise that Jesus Christ is who? Lord. He wrote that, folks, because he experienced it right here on the road to Damascus. Paul, who had this mindset that I bow to no one, came to the realization that Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, folks, the gospel annihilated every ounce of arrogance and pride in Paul's life. Every ounce of arrogance and pride in his life. And let me say this, it ought to do the same for us who name the name of Jesus Christ. It should eliminate and annihilate every ounce of pride and arrogance that we hold on to so dearly. It should do the same for you and I. This haughty being was humbled to the point where Paul says, God forbid... God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ. That was his only boast. That was his only bragging right in what Jesus Christ had done for him. The gospel humbled Paul. It humbled Paul. And just on a side note, I want to you to notice that any persecution against God's church is persecuting Jesus Christ himself. Is that what, that's the question that Jesus, uh, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me? It's a persecution of Jesus himself. So let me ask you this question. Have you experienced the humbling power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you experienced that? It is easy for us to say, of course I have. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I wouldn't be here this morning you yelling at me if I didn't. 
Have you experienced that humbling, transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel brought Paul to his knees. And it should do the same for us. It made him humble, but it also made him obedient. Look at verses 6 to 9. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Then the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he went without sight, and he did neither eat or drink. He made Paul obedient. He didn't only acknowledge Jesus as Lord verbally. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord in practice. What do I mean by that? If you jump over to the next, the very next chapter of Acts, where Peter is in Joppa, and he's on the rooftop, and he's praying, and he sees the sheet let down, and the voice from heaven said, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter, in what might seem like a logical response, not so, Lord. And you might say, what's, so, what's wrong with that? God is commanding Peter to do something, and while acknowledging him as Lord, he's disobeying him. I will not do that, Lord, Master, Ruler, Sovereign One. I will not do that. Paul not only acknowledged Jesus as Lord in, uh, in word, or in, in word rather, but he acknowledged him as Lord indeed in his action. Paul did as he was told right away in verse 6. Instant obedience, Thomas Campus says this, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience. There is delayed obedience he continues on by saying, but this is actually disobedience. So whoever strives to withdraw from obedience withdraws from the grace of God. What he's saying is, folks, instant obedience is all that matters when it comes to obeying Jesus Christ. Not delayed obedience, because that in his eyes are still, is still disobedience. Think on it for a moment. This high, proud, powerful, arrogant man in Paul having to be led by these men that were accompanying, accompanying him, incapable of doing so by himself. Paul's life was touched by the gospel upon encountering Jesus Christ. He had nothing to eat and drink for days, for three days, Luke says. And I just imagine that Paul was reflecting on the life that he used to live just a few hours ago. Like, man, I was on a path to destroying God's church. And now I'm here contemplating how I'm going to transform this world, this society that I live in for the gospel and for the cause of Christ and for the glory of God. That is what he was contemplating. How am I going to go from a passionate desire to destroy God's people to actually draw and win souls for Jesus Christ? Because he realized that the gospel needs to be obeyed. And others need to be told 
so that they too can obey the gospel. He was obedient to Christ. He was obedient, instant obedient. It not only transformed his life in the sense that he was humbled, it transformed his life to the point where he was obedient. Instant obedience, full out obedience. It transformed his life. And when we read on verses 20 to 31, just read a few verses. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed, immediately, immediately he proclaimed Jesus Christ. He didn't hesitate. Paul realized, like Jeremiah, to contain the gospel, to contain the power of the gospel and the transforming power of the gospel is like a fire shining up in his bones, like Jeremiah said. He cannot contain it. Immediately, he preached Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. Is this not the man that made havoc in Jerusalem? And has he not come for this purpose to bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confound the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. The gospel made Paul into a, tra- into a gospel witness. The transforming power of the gospel propelled Paul into being a witness for Jesus Christ. After meeting with Ananias and his sight being restored, and without hesitation in his obedience, the gospel became center of attention. Paul, Paul, and so are you and I, our chosen vessels. That is what, because Ananias was hesitant, like the Jews were saying, Are you serious, God? Do you realize who you're sending in my direction right now? This is Paul. He's coming here to kill us. And this might be a ploy, this blindness all of a sudden and him seeing the light. is just a ploy to get close to the believers to kill us. I'm not doing that. And and God said, he is a chosen vessel, and I'm going to show him how he's going to suffer for my name's sake. Folks, Paul was a chosen vessel for God. You and I are a chosen vessel for God to be used not for our purposes, not for our sinful gain, not for our selfish desires, but for the glory of God, for the building up of the kingdom of God, for the edification of the body of Jesus Christ. Christ. That is why Paul was saved, and that, folks, is why you and I are saved. He was a chosen vessel for the glory of God, for the building up of God's kingdom, and we are no different. Paul was a carrier of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was commissioned to the Jews, to the Gentile, to kings, to dignitaries, And you and I are called to carry the gospel. We might say, but I can't minister. I can't witness to high 
high official people. I can't even witness to the, the simpleton that I pass on the street because I don't have the courage and I don't have the power. But folks, the same spirit that empowered Paul is the same Holy Spirit that empowers and indwells us and will propel us to proclaim this transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see the world in which we live and people are running and looking for solution in every form and every way possible. How can we change the world and make it better? How can we ascribe and aspire for world peace? Folks, nothing is going to transform this world, this city, this country, this globe, apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can try all we want with fancy scientific methods and philosophical method, methods and you name it. Nothing is going to transform. Only Jesus Christ can take a wretched human being who has no moral compass whatsoever and transform them for the glory of God. Only the gospel can do that, folks. Paul knew this. Paul realized this. And he was a carrier of the gospel to all whom he encountered. Paul couldn't care less what your position was. You see him, he's going to tell you the gospel because that's his mission. That's his mandate. His gospel witness was going to bring suffering. And that's one of the reasons why many of us are so hesitant. We're not even so much fearful of the, the physical suffering because we know it's not here in totality yet. It's here in part. We're afraid of the mere scoff and scorns and laughters and snickers that people might throw our way because we're proclaiming this fanatic, superficial myth, myth being who supposedly came to earth and died for our sins. Paul didn't care. You saw in the text that I read that people, the Jews, are starting to get riled up. Like, who, who, who is, wh what's going on with this Paul? And you read throughout the book of Acts, throughout all his missionary journeys, constantly the Jews were at him constantly wanting to kill him. But that didn't deter Paul. The transformation was very visible. And that is something that we as believers need the world to see in us. The transforming power of the gospel in our lives should be very visible. They sighed in Paul. He didn't have to tell them, even though he was proclaiming the gospel to them. Paul didn't have to say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm converted now. The life that he was living was saying that. So the question that, it begs the question, can a person look at you and how you live, how you act, how you interact with other human beings and say that person, there's something different, even if they don't, ascribe this Christian title to you. They can see a difference in you. They can see a transformation in you. They can see that you're living differently than that other person who I encountered who is just hurling insult and harsh words and just swearing worse than a sailor. 
Can people look at the life that you're living and see Jesus Christ in you? Folks, the gospel that transforms you ought to do that. They ought to see Christ in you, in your actions, in your words, in your deed, in every fiber of your being. And the saying, the saying holds true that there are many in the world that we're the only Bible that they're going to ever read. What is your Bible message to these people in the world? What is this Bible message? His message changed. Paul's message, that is. His methodology, methodology changed. His mandate changed. Why did all of these change? The message, the mandate, the methodology. Because his master changed. He had a change of master. He changed from self, wanting to gratify and satisfy self, to gratifying and satisfying his Savior. And as a result, things change. Folks, when you have been transformed by the gospel, as I said earlier, people will, you don't need to tell people, they will see it oozing through every fiber of your being. People will doubt like they doubted Paul. People will want to persecute you. Verbally, some even physically. But I want you to note something. In verse 22, first of all, and then I'll read verse 31. When these people saw Paul and were doubting his genuineness, when they were having doubts, when they were being skeptical about this transformation that he supposedly has encountered, how did Paul feel about that? Did Paul go away in the background and hide himself duck his head in the sand like an ostrich because people were being mean. But Saul increased all the more in strength. Folks, when you have God on your side, that's all you need. That's all your focus. It doesn't matter what the world throws at you. God is your strength. God is our strength. And Luke said he increased even more and he continued to preach the gospel to the Jews, proving to them that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in verse 31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. Why did they have peace? Not because Paul finally decided that he's going to stop ravaging the church, but because the gospel of Jesus Christ is, was becoming more and more prominent and people were being transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had peace, peace rather, and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. The church multiplied. Paul's attitude was not wasn't moved. It was he, he had a firm faith in the God whom he was serving. 
He stood firm on his faith. He kept telling people no matter what, even when I believe it was Lystra, he was stoned half to death. And the disciples came around him and no doubt there was some miraculous thing happening there. And Paul got right back up and went into the very city that just almost killed him. To do what? The exact same thing he almost got killed for. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, Paul knew and understood how powerful the gospel is in the lives of people. And as a result, the gospel was spreading throughout all the regions. People were being transformed by the power of the gospel. Have you experienced this transforming power? If you're here, I don't know your state. I don't know if you're saved. I don't know if you're struggling in your walk with Christ. Let the gospel power work through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the proclaimed word of God. Let the gospel power take root in your life. And if you're not saved, you can experience the same transformation that Paul did. You might not be heading down the road to Damascus and see the light physically like he did. You may not be struck blind, but you should fall to the knees and surrender your lives to Jesus Christ. And like Paul, acknowledge him as the sovereign one, as the ruler over all creation. Acknowledge him as Lord. Because unsafe friend, let me tell you this. Going back to Philippians 2.10, Paul says every knee will, future promise, will bow. Every tongue will, future promise, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is far easier to do it now than when you're standing before him on the day of judgment. It is far, because you have to do it regardless. Why not surrender your lives to him now? And acknowledge him as Lord. Believers, the world is going to throw a lot at us. They are throwing a lot at us. Christianity is in North America is rapidly being phased out. There are many that are turning from the faith. And you wonder how when this transformation occurred, you experienced it. At least they said they did. How is it that you have left your first love? But that's what's happening in North America. Why? Because they're bowing to the norms of society. They're letting society conform them. They're letting society be the transformation or the transforming power that they yield to. Stand your ground. Stand your ground and stand firm on the word of God, regardless of what comes your way. Be ready like Paul to face persecution of the severest manner because your reward will be great. Your reward will be great. Folks, the gospel transforms lives. I can attest to that. I know you're sitting there and you can attest to that very fact that the gospel has transformed you when you look back at your life as a man. I could have been that individual. 
that guy that is shooting up random people just willy-nilly. I could have been him if not for the grace of God and the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, folks, is how powerful the gospel is. And I pray and hope that we never lose sight of this truth and this fact that the gospel transforms. Paul said he was the worst of sinners, the worst of the worst, but God grabbed a hold of his heart and transformed him into this powerful missionary. And as a result of his passion and desire to let everyone know about Christ, most of the world and most of the Bible, the New Testament that we have, was a result of the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, this is what the gospel does. And I pray we'll never lose sight of how important that is, especially in the days where people are trying to shut us up, trying to say, no, it's not just Jesus, it's Jesus plus whatever else you want to add. No, it's just Jesus. It's just about him. And this is the only gospel, no other gospel. And may we stand firm on that. Father God, what a life Paul lived. To the point where in, t in 2 Timothy 4, he could say, I'm ready. Even before that in Philippians, he's saying, I I'm ready to go, but your church, your people want me here. But coming down to the culmination, the ending of his life, knowing that you are ready to receive him into yourself, said he has kept the faith. Finish the course. And as a result, his reward is waiting for him. God, may we at the end of our lives can say like Paul, we have kept the faith. We have run well. We have run with perseverance and endurance through your strength, through the strength of your spirit that we can say we have done what you have called us to do. Strengthen us, Lord. Help us to be reminded of the power, the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to reflect on even how it changed our lives and make that be the thing that fuels the flame within us to tell others that Jesus Christ still saves, that the gospel is still powerful and mighty to transform whatever situation, whatever life choices they have made. God, may we be faithful to your word and true for Christ's sake. Amen.